Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day at camp meeting. Thank you that we can be here in this room to be studying these important themes of Sabbath school and how by your grace we can help bring it back to life. Please bless our study now as we look specifically at the mission focus of Sabbath school. Help us to be always aware that we're not just called to be part of a denomination, but be part of a movement that every member is a missionary. Help us keep that in mind today as we go. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we mentioned, James White was the first one to write Sabbath school studies, Bible study guides for the Sabbath school. He put them in what magazine? The Youth Instructor, right? And it didn't take long at all before the adults were using the Youth Instructors. And finally, uh, a few years after that, there were dedicated Sabbath school Bible study guides for both children and adults. Right there at the beginning, at the same year that we were incorporated as a denomination in 1863, we had adult and children's Sabbath school quarterly. So this has been part of our Adventist DNA as the small group Bible study Sabbath school group. But when you look at the message of the Seventh-day Adventist church that those Bible studies were supposed to teach, it doesn't take you long at all, as our pioneers discovered, that our message is not just one for personal acceptance, but it is a mandate to go give that message to the world. So, for instance, when we look at those three angels' messages, we can study them in theory, but it doesn't take long until the self-evident fact bubbles to the surface that these are messages that are being cried with a loud voice to all the world, right? And, and you realize, man, not only are we supposed to know this thing, but we have a responsibility to share this thing. And so, very early on, um, mission work, the giving of the gospel, these distinctive message to the world, became part of our Sabbath school program. So let's just see, what did I just pass out there? Here we go. And I want to run down a history of this for just a moment, and that's what this paper has here for us. In the early part of the 20th century, that is the um, 1900s, Sabbath school mission giving was substantial, even sacrificial, Okay. And we'll see that, and I, I use that time because I believe we're going to see that the peak sacrificial mission support from the Sabbath school program came in the early, ninth, uh, early 20th century. Okay, Actually, ironically, I don't know, or interestingly, about the time of the Great Depression. When we had the least money to give, there was some of the, in that window of time, now, it did dip down because of the Depression. I mean, people had less to give, but in the 20s to 30s there, it was pretty impressive. But let's review a little history of that. In 1885, the Sabbath schools made their first gifts to missions. In the first quarter of that year, the Oakland, California Sabbath School gave all its income to aid in the establishment of the Australian Mission, which has now developed into the South Pacific Division, okay, that whole territory down there. In 1889 and 90, the Sabbath schools contributed about $12,000 to build the missionary ship Pitcairn. And I'm, I'm guessing we've all grown up hearing about the Pitcairn and their travels in the South Pacific and the whole thing. That was a Sabbath school investment project. That was a missionary. That was the first big missionary project taken by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. When the Pitcairn sailed with its first missionaries to the Pacific Islands in 1890, a new era in Sabbath school mission offerings began. 
And people begin to say, man, what if we pooled all of these mission funds together and started pointing them towards specific projects? And, and there became more of a systematic approach to the sacrificial Sabbath school mission offerings. Instead of giving only the surplus offerings to missions, it was recommended in 1904 that all the regular contributions, except one or two Sabbaths in the quarter, reserved for expenses, be given to worldwide mission work. So before, you see what the difference was, they made sure they paid their expenses first, and then anything left over went to missions. Then that was 1904, was the first time somebody said, how about we give all of it except for a couple of offerings? So the shift started going to the majority of the funds went to mission instead of local expenses. In 1909, the General Conference recommended that the Sabbath School give all offerings to mission, providing for their expenses in some other way. Basically, nothing from 1909, that was a recommendation, it was accepted, nothing in the Sabbath School class would stay in the Sabbath School class. It would all just go to missions. By 1913, all regular Sabbath School offerings were going for missions, and a special offering was taken for expenses. So we'll do expenses, we can do a special Sabbath school expense offering if you want to, but the purpose of the generally collected Sabbath school offering is 100% for mission work. And I think that's interesting, because if anyone explains what the offerings are anymore in Sabbath school, you might have the two envelope thing, you know, ever happen when they're stuck together? So you have the brown one and the blue one or whatever, you know, and this one is for, and it gives the impression that it's a 50-50 thing. Or we say, well, a Sabbath school expense offering, also we have a mission offering, right? You make it secondary kind of thing. When the thing is, we're supposed to have first and foremost uh, thinking in our mind when we come to Sabbath school, forgiving is for mission work. And come up with some other way to do the expenses, basically. Now, there are some divisions. In our North American context, I'm guessing for most of us, it would seem crazy to have to like go buy your own Sabbath school quarterly. We get those at church, right? There are plenty of places in the world field with the way that they defray Sabbath school expenses is just go get your own quarterly. <laughs> Which I don't understand why that's a problem. I think that's kind of a good thing because let's say that the church gives you your quarterly. Well, where did the church get the money for that? From the Sabbath school expense offering. And who contributed to that? You did. <laughs> so if over the, let's, say that, let's say that a quarterly costs $13. And every week you put in a dollar to the Sabbath school expense offering. Well, you've, over time, that, over the course of the quarter, you just bought your own quarterly. So why wouldn't you just buy it directly and not even worry about the Sabbath school expense offering and just take up all the money with commissions? Anyway, that's what other places are doing. But we do it differently here. But basically the thinking was make the giving push in Sabbath school for missions and handle the expense stuff some other way. You can make it part of the church budget, you can make a special offering, you can have everybody buy their own, they can do, you know, whatever you want. But let's make the thing we make the appeal for, for mission. Fascinating. Now, decades of steady increases gave way to diminishing returns by the mid-20th century. So the early 20th century started great, by the mid-20th century, you started seeing some indicators of decline. And by the beginning of the 21st century, where we're living now, 
Mission giving was only a shadow of its former strength. Watch this history now. Now, all of these statements I have here are from, uh, I have all the notation in the notes, so you can go look it up and uh, see the sourcing of the citations here. But these are from general conference uh, personnel and officially published reports and whatnot. So this isn't just opinion stuff. These are just the facts on the ground. Information presented to the Sabbath School Advisory Committee in 1958 showed that the Sabbath School offerings in North America, which during 1921 to 1933 had been above 30% of the church's tithe income or 3% of the income tithed. So basically over $3 for every $10 in tithe, you get $3 or more in giving, right? Offering giving had since gradually diminished to 14.3% of tithe, or 1.43% of the income. So notice, in the 20s and 30s, it had been up over an average, and that included through the Depression, right? Or at least into the Depression there, 29, 30, 31, 30, that's some key dates there. And even through that time, it had been over 30% giving to mission offerings. Yet by 1958, when if you remember, after World War II, the economy was going pretty well. Roaring 50s, and I mean, that was pretty good. But what was happening to the giving? It had decreased more than half. Now watch what happens. Keep going. In 1930, Adventists gave $6.45 to the mission offering for every $10 they returned in tithe. Think of that. For every $10 in tithe, they would also give another almost six fifty. dollars to mission offerings. By 2008, that number had dropped to 36 cents for every $10 given in tithe. So to say that it had declined is an issue. Now we're talking about adjusting for inflation. Is that what you're going to ask? Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, I wasn't. Well, hopefully we've been doing it. I don't know exactly, but that should be all along. Because mission offering is mission offering, right? And so uh, if you do, let's say, we put this together. I should have a copy of this, and uh, hopefully any Kalamazoo people would remember this, and if you don't, my feelings are hurt. Um, the, we put together a little My Personal Giving Plan, where your first 10%, of course, goes to tithe. It's not even an option. It's like, you know, that's it. By the way, the second category of offerings, that's not optional either. Remember Malachi chapter 3? You've robbed God in tithes and offerings, Right? Somehow we've kind of let this, uh, this is a little soapbox, but we've let tithe become the one required thing. And offerings is just whatever you, it means whatever you feel in terms of amount, but not whether or not you're going to give. That's still a requirement, right? Anyway, and so to help people understand that, put together a little personal giving plan and say if you do um, 10% for the uh, tithe and then aim to build up to a second 10%. By the way, Ms. White tells us the entire uh, the Hebrew economy uh, of the Israelites at that in ancient times was a full quarter of their income was returned to things, not just a 10% tithe. But anyway, but let's say that you want to aim for a double tithe, all right, 10% for tithe and another 10% for offerings. 5% goes to the local church, and then it goes, I'm trying to remember, 5%, and then 1% goes to the conference, 2% goes to the world church, and then the extra percentage can go to whatever your heart desires. Pick a supporting ministry, pick something else, right? 
Um, basically, if you did that, if every church, if every member gave 5% to the tithe, I mean, I mean, t- 10% of the tithe, no, have mercy, 10% of the tithe and 5% to the local church, that one thing alone would eliminate any need for like those thermometers up front where we have to fundraise. It would all be baked in there, right? And if we did the same when it came to the proportion for the conference and for the world church mission offerings, it would be taken care of. Yes, now, yes, absolutely. Now, the thing is, and people have brought this up, there's two things to consider over time, and they're a little bit complicated, but yes, the value of the dollar has changed. But you'll see, and by the way, that one we just read there wasn't a just, that was just raw dollars. They were given their $6.45, which $6.45 then was huge, right? Compared to our 36 cents now, which not only is it less just raw, but it's also way less in spending power, right? So it's tremendously more sacrificial then. But also, there's, someone has brought up this point that maybe people are giving, but there are more uh, supporting ministry mission programs that people are giving to. Now, whether that's good or bad, I'm not here to debate that. And I'm not using these numbers to say that, you know, we are all awful. This is a sign of Laodicea quintessential. I'm not saying that. But this is just the data that exists. So we need to look at it and wrestle with it and see where we are. But I, I believe that there's some trend lines when it comes to issue of Sabbath school decline, the increase of pastor dependency, and the decrease of mission giving. Fascinatingly, all of those are almost step-by-step correlated. Okay, So typically what people have done, I believe there's a mindset where tithe is the big thing, and its primary purpose is to pay for the pastor who comes and takes care of me and keeps our local church, you know. And so there's a self-focused model that Sabbath school is uniquely suited to get us off of that. Okay, now we've got a couple of hands. Yes, ma'am. Yes, robbery is a lot worse. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. That's a good point. And now, and so that's what, want to be clear. I'm not throwing everybody under the bus to say we're not supporting mission. But there does seem to be a, um, when people, A, don't attend Sabbath school, there are less people to appeal to anyway. And if people are giving to other things, but that, we still have denominational missionary programs. And I, I think they kind of forget that that exists. And they're being sapped of their funding. Now, praise the Lord, if it's going to other things, they're doing, it would, <laughs> when it comes to the supporting work, Number one, I praise the Lord that it exists. And number two, as a conference employee, I kind of wish it didn't have to. I think about that with those uh, independent, uh, independent, I got to use the word, supporting Bible schools. You know, Arise, uh, Emmanuel, before we came into the conference, you know, we had uh, Life, you had Souls West, you have all these wonderful, praise the Lord for them programs. But it dawns on me, it's like if you've been through Adventist school and Adventist church for 10, 15, 20 years, and then you have to pay someone money to go teach you how to give a Bible study, what were you doing in church all those years? Now, and especially if Ms. White says that every church should be a training school for Christian workers, why are these training schools popping up when that's what the role of the church is, right? 
And they say the same thing in mission. If the church exists to give this message, why are they so... It, would, it speaks to a lot of issues here, right? So there's a lot of different ways we can take this, and I'm not advocating one particular interpretation. I'm just laying out the case that this is something we need to look at. Okay, well, let's keep going. Um, by the way, there's a little hopeful thing in there. If you look at the very fine print on the second point down below, uh, of the second half there, after we talked about how the number dropped to 36 cents for every $10 given in tithe, look at the parentheses if you can read it. From the 2008 Annual Statistics Report of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, the latest Annual Statistics Report from 2016 reveals that members gave 39 cents for every $10 given in tithe. Friends, we're back on track. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking for any grain of hope we can get there, okay? But it has gone up slightly since 2008. Okay. At, in, two, in 1930, another report says, it's from David Trim's annual uh, Church Growth and Mission since 1863 in a historical statistical analysis, published in 2012, said in 1932, at perhaps the height of the Great Depression, the average world mission offering per member was $5.83. It is striking and disconcerting to note, in contrast, that the average amount given per member in 2010 was $4.81 a dollar and two cents lower than in 1932. Again, that's still not adjusted for inflation. This is despite the fact that inflation means the value of the $2,010 is already less than $1932. Here's another one. Uh, this is from the Adventist Review in 2016. The average Seventh-day Adventist in North America gives $21 a year to the World Mission Fund collected by the Sabbath School Mission Office. $21 a year. Now, how do you think they come up with that statistic? I don't, I'm guessing here, but I think if we were assigned to go find out how much the average person is giving, what's the easiest way to go find that statistic? You see how many members there are divided by the amount of dollars that were given to the mission, right? Well, let's take that to the North American division. Okay, might have about a million members. Well, let's break it down to the local church level. How many members are in your local church? In, Mich in Michigan, the average is maybe 100 or so, a little less maybe. But let's say that there's a 100-member church. Does that mean that there's 100 people in Sabbath school? No. Does that mean there's 100 people even attending worship service? No. We all know that that number on, on paper is a bit of, you know, a bit of a mirage. Now, it might feel good to say, yeah, I'm part of a 100-member church. But as I was, I don't know if I did this in Muskegon, but I definitely did it in Kalamazoo, and that was to start, you know, taking attendance every Sabbath. We had 374 people in the books, and it makes you tempted to say, oh, about 400 people. We know we're not, we're only three. And, and, and I think we talked about this yesterday, is that the average attendance in the worship service was 160. I started printing that in the bulletin, help people know. Then the average attendance at Sabbath school, we noticed, was only 90. And the average attendance at prayer meeting was 13. So... How big is the church? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot smaller. So those statistics would be a lot better if we would be accurate in our membership. Right? I mean, if you dropped in half the number of members that statistic is based on, then it'll automatically double the outcome giving to mission. <laughs> so the, to me, this not only speaks to the level of giving, but it also talks about our our people numbers too, right? So there's not the one simple takeaway lesson from this. 
but it does tell us a pretty good diagnostic of a lot of different things coming together. Anyway, uh, Pastor Doug Venn, the Director of Global Missions Urban Center for, Adventist, for the Adventist World Church, said this church statement, World Mission Offering, the mission offering collected during Sabbath School, has plummeted. So, we have our situation where attendance in Sabbath School is low. Giving in Sabbath School is low. I'm not saying it's dead, but it's definitely ailing. Okay? So, what can we do about that, especially in we're looking at today's, um, remember we were looking at a diagnostic on day one, um, Day two, we looked at Bible study. Today, we're looking at mission. So everything we're in this one is about the mission focus. Um, what can we do in the Sabbath school to bring mission back to the forefront of where it needs to be? That's what we're talking about today. What can we do about that? Well, I have another handout for you. It would be quite a discouraging seminar like, oh, there's nothing you can do. Let's just pray. <laughs> but there's got to be some action steps, something we can do to intentionally put Sabbath school mission work back on the front burner. Now, this document, by the way, all of these are black and white because the printer here, it, <laughs> I am not of a level in the conference office to have the code for color copy making. <laughs> all right? I found that out. I punched in my code. I'm like, all right, make them color. And they're like, Access restricted. It's like, oh. So you get black and white today. However, all of these resources are nice and full color. Okay, And this one, this document here, will also be found not only at michigansspm.org, but also at the General Conference Sabbath School site that we're promoting here, which is alive.adventist.org. Dot .org. If I'm not mistaken, neither of these is case sensitive, so capital or lowercase, it really doesn't matter, but we just draw them that way so you can clearly see. If it was all one or the other, you might be able to you get mixed up or something like this, but just alive.adventist.org and michigansspm.org, the two websites we're going to keep funneling you to, okay? Now, let's talk about the Sabbath School Mission Program. While the foundation of Sabbath school will always be Bible study and prayer, the focus of Sabbath school is mission. And just as Sabbath school itself is not merely a preliminary to the worship service, the Sabbath school mission program is not an optional preliminary to Sabbath school Bible study class time. Indeed, the mission program is a vital component that helps make Sabbath school live. We're going to come back to that issue of preliminary on Friday when we talk about, I guess our running title is still potpourri, um, but just issues that can come up and questions, common questions and stuff, that we have to get out of this mindset that anything we do in the church is a preliminary, right? Preliminary means that it's the lesser thing before the better thing, or the side dish before the main dish, right? It's a sampler platter, but it's, it's, it's optional is essentially what it means, okay? And we've come to think of the entire Sabbath school program as an option. Where worship service, that's the real thing. And I think this goes back to our Catholic mindset, you know, that, I'm going to get my sacrament when I get my sermon, right? But the reality is 
that the life of the church involves much more than just going to the worship service on Sabbath, right? You go to the Sabbath school program in the morning, and even inside of that, we say, oh, well, I'll go to, they might, if your church even still has a plenary program, a platform program up front before you dismiss into classes, inside of the Sabbath school people, oh, that's the preliminaries to the real thing, which is a Bible study class, right? We keep shifting things down, and I'm saying eliminate that dirty word from your vocabulary. Nothing is a preliminary it should be the case that whether it's whatever your starting time is, 9.15, 9.30, whatever, when that bell rings, that's when every member should be there. And there's something distinct in all of those areas that if you missed it, you missed something. You can't redeem that time. You can't reclaim it. It is lost forever. There's something special in Sabbath school, in the mission program, in the Bible study class time, and in the worship service, none of which you can miss. Okay, We'll come back to that later. But... Whereas the Sabbath worship service is longer and includes a variety of elements, the Sabbath school mission program is much more succinct and focused exclusively on the work of soul winning. Now, when I talk about a program before you go to your Sabbath school classes, tell me right now, before we get into this rest of this little talk here, what are some of the things that you would expect to be involved in that program? Singing, okay. Okay, singing, personal ministries. Um, personal ministries moment. <laughs> Somebody's like, I better say mission or I'm in trouble here. Yeah. But what does that mean, mission? A mission story. Okay, uh, Adventist education, okay. Okay, how to get Bible studies. Would that be kind of in the person? Uh, how about personal ministries moment or training? Okay, so mission, um, story, plus. Okay, more than that. A challenge, an appeal of Cubs. Okay, okay, I like that. All right. Anything else? Mission spotlight, okay. Uh, well, still under mission, the story, uh, an appeal, uh, spotlight, which is a form of story. It's just a video story, you know, okay. Children's departments come in there somewhere, okay. You know, it's interesting, we did all this talk, everything we've talked about so far is mission offering. We haven't included making up a mission offering in our program yet. As I'm going to put it on the board if nobody else will. Exactly. It doesn't even come to mind. See what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. It's usually passed around during the lesson time. Because a lot of people don't even, this whole thing, a lot of churches don't have any of this anymore. You just welcome and there's your class. And it's a quiet little envelope that sits on the side. You don't hear a story. You don't have training. You don't have offer. Get a call. You just go to your class because it's all just Bible study. And if you might get an envelope with no explanation. Right. So, I, I noticed that no one also included this. Yeah, superintendent remarks. Two things we didn't put in there. was a call for the offering or mission and superintendent reports. I think that's telling. Health. Okay. I will advocate for, oh, we haven't done it yet, but we're because you reminded, here's how it is. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. You okay. um, For what it's worth, I would advocate yes. I know there's a lot of children's division leaders that are going to strongly push back against that. I, I'll give you a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, I'll, let me say them now just in case I forget them, because yes, you could have a model where you have your class time first and then you come together. The challenge that I see with that is then... You have this collective thing, you've done a program, 
And then you take a break and come back and do another collective program right on top, right? I think there'd be wisdom in bookending it where you come together first, right, for the uh, mission program. Then you divide for your classes, right? And that would be adult classes and children's divisions, but everybody goes to their place, age appropriate or whatever. And then you come back together for your worship service, right? So you bookend, you all come to, so parents and kids can go together and see, I mean, I feel bad when you have this as mission spotlight and the kids aren't there to hear it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, those are the ones we want to inspire to go be missionaries, right? They should hear this and get that mission mindset in them as young as possible, right? Get that mission program. And then you go out to your classes because we're all going to go study the Bible now. The grownups are going to go here. This age is going to go here. And we're all going to go do our Bible study time, our class time. And then we'll come back together for the worship service. To me, I think that makes sense. I like it. Again, this is just my opinion, and there might be some counter thoughts. I think if everyone said, let's, and we're going to see the template here um, in a second, but let's say that the average start time is 9.30 here, and this gets done at 12.30, let's say. You've got a three-hour block, 1.5 hours here, 1.5 hours here, in rough terms, okay? That you start all together, you divide out in the middle, and come back all together. It's a simple symmetry. It makes sense. Um, children and Adults would have the encouragement to be on time to the same thing, starting together, could sing, sing a song together, watch a mission spotlight together. And it doesn't take long. By the way, uh, what we're advocating, we're going to go through this document a little bit more, but this mission program, we're not talking about a big 45-minute, no. We're talking about 15, 20 minutes max. Real quick, okay? And it's not a miniature worship service. It's not the formality of Scripture reading, and a big prayer, and a long song service, and it's not that. But when we put a program together, a lot of times we don't know what else to do. Now we need a big song service, now we need to have a... Don't do that. Let's keep going. Let's walk through here. Wherever my paper went here. Um, again, where, let's go to the second paragraph. Wherever this, whereas the Sabbath worship service is longer and includes a variety of elements, the Sabbath school mission program is much more succinct and focusedly exclusive on the work of soul winning. Now, that soul-winning work does not mean just foreign mission, right? Let's, that's another thing we have to disabuse our mind of. Mission doesn't mean foreign mission only. There's a local mission. There's a personal mission, right? But the whole concept of mission mindset needs to be established at the very beginning, right? Such a mission program will be inspiring and attractive even for the youth of the church. Now, listen to what we write here in both, it's found in Gospel Workers and Christian Service. Do not imagine that you can arouse the interest of the young by going to the missionary meeting and preaching a long sermon. Now, I know that we don't have a mission, we don't have a sermon slot in here, but a lot of times this feels like it. Okay? Now, what I would imagine, and I'm advocating here, is yes, you have a Sabbath school superintendent. Someone needs to manage the whole program and make sure you, there's a role for the Sabbath school superintendent for sure. Thank you. <laughs> the, the chicken soup for the soul model, I think, needs to go. Okay? But I do think they need to be upfront. They need to be clear and articulate and confident and moving the show along. Basically, they're the MC of the show, right? Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. We have a fantastic mission spotlight for you. Here you go. Boom. 
And then you can say, not now, mission, of course, doesn't just mean foreign mission. There's a lot of things going here. And we either have a local testimony for one of our ministries or one of the children's divisions, or we have a Michigan conference video we can show if something is going on. By the way, from our department, we want to make that a responsibility for us to make sure you have good mission spotlight videos from right here in Michigan. Michigan spotlight or something like that, you know. Um, it's a catchy name. We might go with that. Anyway. But right now, we're just calling them Grow Testimonies because we're Grow Michigan, you know, and these Grow Testimonies. But they already exist at michigan.sspm.org. You can go use them. We have all the world mission videos. We have all the local conference videos. And we have personal ministries training videos and resources all there. We're just putting them out. Now we're teaching you how to use them, okay? But the mission program, again, look at Mrs. White's statement. Do not think that you could, do not imagine you can rouse the interest of the young by going to the missionary meeting and preaching a long sermon. Plan ways whereby a live interest may be aroused. From week to week, the young should bring in their reports, telling what they have tried to do for the Savior and what success has been theirs. If the missionary meeting were made an occasion for bringing in such reports, it would not be dull, tedious, and uninteresting. And I think if there were three words to describe a lot of our plenary Sabbath school programs as dull, tedious, and uninteresting. But that's not how it's supposed to be, right? It would be full of interest, and I love this one, and there would be no lack of what? Attendance. We need to put the good stuff back in Sabbath school. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but this is my little soliloquy on this. With that Catholic mindset where the sermon is the sacrament, like the wafer on the tongue, right? That we miss out on a lot of things. And now we know that the time when people are actually going to come to church is, you know, 1130 or later, right? That's your high point. So we want to put every quote-unquote, good thing in there so that we'll have people there to hear it. So we're chasing the people. Oh, we want a good testimony. Oh, don't waste it in Sabbath school. Put it in the worship service. Oh, we know people don't come to prayer meeting, so let's have a long garden of prayer and prayer time, prayer, prayer. Nothing wrong with prayer in the worship service, but when did it come? They open the floor for prayer requests and praises. and this. There's a whole meeting devoted to prayer. It's called prayer meeting. But nobody comes to it, so we put it in the worship service. Right? We start filling up that worship, worship service to make it the one-stop shop for everything that happens in the church. We want all announcements, all special features, baby dedications, baptisms, testimonies, you name the thing. We stuff it all in the worship service. So now you have these long worship services, and then the preacher gets up at 12.15, and if he goes even 30 minutes, you're like, you know, he preaches too long. No, he doesn't. His long sermons are your fault. By the way, Mrs. White has this fantastic comment. I don't know if we're going to have it. I don't think we have it in here, but I was studying this because she even says things like, she would go off on preachers. You know, you can get twice as much said in half the amount of time. She said, you should be more succinct. With it. But she has this beautiful comment. I'm, I'm, it's a paraphrase here, but she says, and one of those things where she was advocating less sermon time, you know, stop preaching so long, she said, you would get far more out of the first hour and if you just stopped than the additional extra half hour you add on. So notice what she's defining as a short sermon. One hour. So we should preach short one-hour sermons. Right? There you go. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. By the way, and if we're there to get content out of it, we're not there for a performance. We're not there for timing. We're not there for a fit. We're there to get good meat from God's Word. Right? And when we don't have a love for our message and a zeal for our mission, but we know we got to fill in the Sabbath morning time, 
all kinds of crazy comes in. And it's either going to get, and either we want to keep the interest up so we go towards entertaining, or we'll just submit to it and be the most dull, tedious, boring, monotonous. By the way, i got to read you this statement. I would encourage you, if you, if you we, we can't get on this theme too long, because we only got a few more minutes, but um, I'm doing a presentation in the Emanuel Institute called Disturbing Our Monotony. And it talks about this very thing. That's the whole purpose of the talk. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you to, but I'll just read you this statement. Ms. White has this, one of several she has. She says, the prevailing monotony of the religious round of service in our churches needs to be disturbed. The leaven of activity needs to be introduced that our church members may work along new lines and devise new methods. The Holy Spirit's power will move upon hearts when this dead, lifeless monotony is broken up and many will begin to work in earnest who never before thought of being anything but idle spectators. You know, there's people who are spectators in our churches, idle, doing nothing, and I can't really blame them because they've never been even introduced to the idea that they're supposed to be anything else. They've got a very consumer mentality, right? I'm going to go church shop and whoever's it, and it's very self-focused, right? She said, we've got to stop that. She said, a working church on earth is connected with the working church above. God works, angels work, and men should work for the conversion of souls. Efforts should be made to do something while the day lasts, and the grace of God will be revealed that souls may be saved to Christ. Everywhere souls are perishing in their sins, and God is saying to every believing soul, hasten to their help with the message that I shall give you. This is uh, that one from uh, Testimonies to Ministers, uh, TM204. Uh, there's, she uses that one in several different places, but she, she talks about that. I mean, you look at the statement here. She talks about how our services she made intensely interesting. She talks about the disturbing the monotony of her religious round of services. In uh, this one, right? Don't be dull, tedious, and under. Now, what we sometimes will read with that is great. Let's get in a smoke machine and music, and let's get donuts in the, and let's really. That's not what she's talking about either. The remedy is what she called the leaven of activity. Stir up love and good works, right? So. Mission is what we need. Now, let's take a look at this. Essential elements of the mission program. We want to put something very simple together. So it's a super simple, easy to understand structure that would basically look like this. Your mission program each week. Each week, the mission program should highlight three essential elements of evangelism. First, global mission. And uh, at the end, we actually put it together, and I'll just start putting in there. Let's say you want to open with a welcome, opening song, and prayer, okay? This is a recommendation. How long should that last? I'm going to say max five minutes. How long does it take to welcome people? Welcome! Just did it. You literally say the word. Now, you could add a sentence or two. But no more than that. Happy Sabbath, everyone. You're glad you're in Sabbath school this morning. We have a fantastic mission spotlight. But you just do it in seconds, right? Now, let's say you want to do an opening song. Now, I would encourage, if you want to do a song service, let's say that this would start at 9.30, right? Then I would recommend, if you want to do a song service, no problem. Start at 9.15. And that can be encouraging people. But the program starts, boom. When that person gets up, when that superintendent says, good morning, friends, happy Sabbath. We're off to the races. And we want to set a pace. 
A lot of times you see the kind of things drag out. There's no need for that. And one of the things we're going to talk about in the prevailing monotony uh, thank you, is that participation requires anticipation. Have you ever been sitting at a, a left turn arrow and it's red and then when it turns green, the car in the front goes and the car behind them will go when the one has made it through the intersection. And then they start. And then after that one makes it through the intersection, the third car starts and you're only four or five cars back and you're not going to make it through the light. If everybody would just look at the signal and just go, you get twice as many people through the thing. This is one of my big frustrations as we go around to different churches and churches I've seen and been part of and that little, those little things over a three-hour block adds all this extra time that's unnecessary and you lose interest. Keep it moving, keep it moving, right? So someone will come in and they'll say, good morning, saints, we're so happy, and they'll do their welcome. And then they'll go, and let's say that somebody else is coming to do a, a scripture reading or something. They'll go and sit down. And then the next person will just sit there. Okay, and then they begin to get up. And then they make their walk to the thing. And you do this for every single participant? It's that gap in the left turn that makes me just, I get twitchy, right? And then they're going to find the thing that, our scripture reading this morning is, hang on, let me find it. Why don't you have that already? <laughs> Why did you come to the thing unprepared, right? There's a little thing in your, there's a little bookmark, use it. And practice beforehand, know what you're going to say. It's Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 4. The Bible tells us, and then start reading. By the way, each element doesn't need its own preamble. You don't have to go, the next person gets up. Good morning, everyone. Happy. We just had a welcome. Why are you doing that? Because you're filling the time, right? And then they're going to say, uh, and they'll have a little introductory. I've always been, I've been in a church a long time, and it's my honor this morning to stop telling us that. You have a job. It's to read the scripture. Do it well, and then be done. Move on, right? Just keep the thing moving. But it certainly gives the impression that we really don't have a program that's kind of dragging our feet and making stuff up. But when we have a mission mindset, I've got a goal to get to. I've got an objective now. We've got to march. We're marching to Zion, right? A lot of times we're plotting to Zion. That's no good. So I would say if you want to do an opening song, that's fine. My personal preference is the last song of the song service would be the opening song. But whatever. This was a capitulation. <laughs> but I notice every time we want to get youth involved, we put more music in. I think we need to put more mission in. Anyway, welcome opening song, but even that opening song is not all four stanzas. Seeking the lost, yes, pointing to Jesus. Make it a good, by the way, make it a march. Make it a triumphant, like, energizing. Amen. We're on a mission here. Right? Set the theme with that opening song. Say, let's bow our heads forward. And we pray. And as soon as that, amen. And they take their first step away. The lights go down. The screen comes on. This is mission spot. So now it's 9.35, it's, it's and if you're late, you've missed some stuff. Because we're moving, right? And so the first thing you add in there then is that global mission report. By the way, it doesn't have to be all of these elements we provide video options for. But if you have an Adventist Frontier missionary and something in the car, bring them up. 
Say, you've got five minutes to tell us something exciting that's going on or make an appeal, but do it live as much as you can. That'd be great. But we know that a lot of churches don't have frontier missionaries with them. That's fine, too. But we, uh, that's why the World Church provides the Mission Spotlight resource. And I like to put it this way. You see it here. That would be their work. That's what's going on over there. The Seven Adventist Church is a prophetic movement raised up in these last days to give the three angels' message to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. The worldwide evangelistic mandate should be reiterated every Sabbath in every local church. Even if we have not been called to a remote mission field, it is vital to support with our prayers and offerings the work uh, of those who have. Okay? So you could have four mission testimony interview. I would also, this could be a time when you might want to pass around, if you do the envelope thing, you pass around during the video. Like while they're watching the thing, this is an opportunity to take it up. So that could be part of your introductory comments. Like during our mission spotlight, we have a three angels message to give to the world. And we're going to be supporting that mission as we watch what's going on around the world field, right? There's no reason you couldn't do that. But you can save it for the class time too. But I don't know that you need to have, because another thing that bugs me is every time we have a call for offering, that means we have an offertory. So you have to have an appeal. Then you have to have a prayer. Then you have to have the collection time, and during the collection time, you can't have anything else going on, so you just have instrumental music. And now all of a sudden, you've got a five to ten minute chunk to accomplish one thing, which is to pass an envelope. So why couldn't you interweave them a little bit more? Okay, moving on. Okay? Yes, keep going, right? So for instance, if people, if you were listening to a frontier mission, and while they were doing, they were passing around money to help support, praise the Lord. I got no problem with that. Anyway, so I would encourage that global mission offering to be taken in conjunction with the global mission report. It makes sense. That's what people are thinking of at that time. Now, I know why we don't want to put it there. You get the idea. Global mission report, and let's take maybe, say, um, five minutes for that one, okay? By the way, the mission spotlights that they make, the videos, they're all under five minutes. They're all about four, four and a half or so. Um, So it's pretty cool. They always fit in there, okay? Next... Let's go to this paper that fell. Local mission, local outreach testimony. Now, that would be our work. For many, the term missionaries becomes synonymous with foreign missionary. To keep fresh in the minds of the people that evangelism is local as well as global, the Sabbath school mission program should include testimonies of soul winning work from the home territory of every local congregation. That means you could have local church testimonies. You could either have live or do your own videos. I started doing that in Kalamazoo too, just like, hey, why don't I just go around and make a video of what's going on at a community service center, or what's happening in this children's division, or what's happening with this uh, prayer meeting, whatever, and just start interviewing people. Make your own little videos out of them. Interview folks. Folks, I, I like the reason I like video interviews is multiple reasons. Number one, you can make it during the uh, during the week. You can plan them well in advance. You can make it two months ahead of time if you want. You know, it's no problem. So you've got time. You can visit people where they are. You can take action shots of what's actually happening. So I can go on a, if I want to talk about our local church school, I can go on a field trip with them and videotape the thing and make, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, also, the people in the video don't have to be there on the day. What if they're on vacation? What if they're sick? What if they got a problem? What if they're shy up front? You know, I have to run the soul winning hour in the afternoon. It's a little bit like skittish because I'm going to give you a microphone in front of all these people. Now say something inspiring. (laughs) You know, it's a little, people get nervous up front, right? And so what they say to you in the comfort of your office at some point might be a lot more engaging than what they're going to say. It's like, yes, I love the Lord. Thank you. You know, not holding the mic. You don't have to avoid all that kind of stuff, right? Plus, you don't have to worry about them going 10 minutes when you need them to go four minutes. 
You can make it exactly what you want. It's going to be three minutes and 38 seconds. I'm going to make it, right? So I like the video option for that reason, for a lot of reasons. But the live option is also very good too because you have them there in person. It puts skin and bones on this thing that we're talking about. So there's advantages and disadvantages, but there's no reason you couldn't do um, local testimonies either from around your own church, the ministries. Uh, this is another thing. Remember Ms. White said, let the children come and give their reports? Wouldn't every Sabbath school, shouldn't every Sabbath school division have a mission project it's working on? Sure, either something they're giving to or some outreach thing in the community, some sort of activity they're doing. And so if you challenged every division, children's and adult Sabbath school class to do something and then put them on a schedule, you could at least once a month or so have a mission report from within your own congregation. Put those little kids up there. So after they watch the missionary truck over in Papua New Guinea or whatever, then they get up and say, well, we're working here in the greater lands. Oh, great. Praise the Lord. But we're, it ties together what they're doing over there, what we're, we're doing here. It's nice. Now, finally, the third element of this, we can't pass this one up, is personal ministries training. You've got to end with a here am I, send me. My the goal is to take this big mission idea and funnel it down to say every member's got to be a missionary. That's the goal. That's the goal of the whole mission program is not only to pray for and financially support what's going on here, not only to praise and encourage what's happening in our local territory, but also to challenge and equip me to be a minister for Jesus as well, right? Listen to this. Page 211 from Christian Service. Let the missionary meeting be turned to account in teaching the people how to do missionary work. Like any good sermon, every mission program should close with a challenge for personal application. Having witnessed inspiring reports of soul winning work around the world and close to home, the final element of the Sabbath School mission program is training for personal ministry. All of the videos, the Grow Training Guides and the Grow Training Videos are available, these are available at, this was the Sabbath School website of the General Conference, alive.adventist.org. Here's another one. grow.adventist.org. These are the General Conference Sabbath School and Personal Ministries pages, Alive and Grow. What we've done here in the Michigan Conference is try to make it even simpler for you. We've got all of them already loaded up on michigansspm.org. So you just go to resources, and the first thing you're going to see, here's all your global mission videos. Next line, here's all of your local conference grow testimonies. And then final line, here's all your videos and resources for the personal ministries training thing. Now, you can take the personal ministry training guides and skip the video and have your personal ministries leader do it, or the Sabbath school superintendent, or someone else do it. That's fine. Do it live. Whatever, but do it. All of them are five or less minutes long. In fact, we went out of our way to make sure that all of them are under five minutes. Usually they're about four to four and a half. So that you could put, you could do all three videos in less than 15 minutes. So if you add in an opening song, a couple of comments, some transitionary things, you could have a 15 to maybe say 20 minute Sabbath school program, mission program, that doesn't take a huge chunk of the time, but you've set the course for the whole day in church. Yes, ma'am. Oh, you... So, let's just read this final bit as we come into our final stretch here. We are told in no uncertain terms, our meetings should be made intensely interesting. They should be pervaded with the very atmosphere of heaven. Let there be no long, dry speeches and formal prayers merely for the sake of occupying the time. 
all should be ready to act their part with promptness. And when their duty is done, the meeting should be closed. (laughs) I love that. Thus, the interest will be kept up to the last. This is offering to God acceptable worship. His service should be made interesting and attractive and not be allowed to degenerate into a dry form. So there needs to be life in it, but not entertaining, but intensely interesting. Okay? The Sabbath school mission program should follow this counsel by moving efficiently with as few extemporaneous comments and unnecessary delays as possible. Open with an enthusiastic welcome to members and visitors, a triumphant congregational hymn, a brief word of prayer, and immediately follow prayer, move directly into the global mission report, local testimony, and personal ministry training features, and for each element, only the simplest introductory and or concluding remarks are necessary. You don't have to have a big preamble. You don't have to have a big appeal at the end of each one. It's like, wasn't that powerful, friends? Amen. Now we have next, just keep it moving. I'm telling you, if kids go there, happy, triumphant song, cool mission video, and here's some glow tracks you can pass out today. Now let's go to our Sabbath school classes. That was great. And you start putting the good stuff back in Sabbath school. And then at the worship service, the pastor, even if the pastor's not there, and say, I trust you all are at Sabbath school this morning. We had a fantastic, re- I'm sad I had to miss it because I was at the other church. But let me tell you something, Sabbath school is where this church lives. Okay, And start p- promoting it that way. By the way, uh, we could get into, we'll get into this stuff later. But start inviting people to Sabbath school. Stop in- and I'm, don't stop inviting them to church. You understand what I'm saying? But invite them to Sabbath school and ask them to stay for church. But that's where the life is, right there in the Sabbath school. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the privilege of being co-laborers with you. Help us to be about your work And help us understand how to do it your way. So it can be, yes, intensely interesting, not entertaining, but stirring, appealing, and attractive. Please, Lord, bless our work for you. And may it result by your grace in the hastening of the coming of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, Or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.